So last week I, um, I shared with you the, the concept of the emotional cup and we looked at the importance of, uh, of recognizing and processing pain, hurt, sadness, disappointment. And we're going to do another layer today. We're looking at, as you might imagine, anger. That kind of came up in our readings a little bit. Why would we do this? Why is, it, why is it important to spend some time reflecting on this and actually learning some things to put into practice? I think if there's one thing that is going to speak to the world about the reality of a God who lives and loves is a people who know him, who live and love like him. In fact, that was part of our reading from Paul is that we put on this new image the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That means we live and love like God. And I believe more than anything, it's the quality of our relationships in, in our families, in our homes, in this community, that people see and experience that will speak to them of the reality of the power and the goodness of God. That's quite a high calling. And therefore, it's incumbent upon us to learn to do relationships well, to, to, for our cups to be full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is actually the, front of the, sorry, the fruit of loving union with the God of love. That's why it's love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and other things as well. But that, you see, that comes the fruit of a, a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And it's affected by the dynamics in our human relationships super important that we do the work of loving one another and that was Jesus' new commandment to us and yet in, wrapped up within that is the reality of uh, because of our imper- imperfections remember last week we talked about pain is inevitable well we're going to explore anger today because that's another powerful dimension often one we feel a little bit more comfortable expressing but I've got some questions to help us with this a little bit of a pop quiz true or false I should never allow myself to be angry. Who thinks that's true? Anyone think that's false? Oh, the false carry it today. It is false. It's impossible for us never to be angry. It takes extreme self-control to avoid that altogether. And actually, it's not very good of it for us to suppress our feelings of anger. However, I would say probably early in my life, I used to do that a lot. Because at times I was afraid what would happen if I really gave into it and expressed it. But one of the things I knew, people wouldn't like me very much. And it was important for people to like me. And so I hid my anger. And I pretended too often. And I grew up around some unhealthy expressions of anger. We'll look into that a little bit. But anger is not sinful. God gets angry. We read uh, actually in in Numbers chapter 11, beginning of that chapter, they're in the wilderness wanderings and things aren't going so great. And the people complained about their hardship in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Jesus once healed a man of a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. And the leaders didn't like it. And he looked around at them, the writer says, in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Jesus got angry, and rightly so. Second pop little question. 
Next one there, Laurie. Anger can become sin. Anyone think that's true? Yep. Anyone think that's false? Who's abstaining? Come on, you all didn't put a hand up there, did you? You're not too sure? Are you on the fence a little bit with that one? It's true, anger can become sin. That's why Paul says, in your anger, which is real, do not sin. In other words, what you do, unresolved anger can become, if not dealt with, almost like a cancer to us. It is a powerful emotion. But it's a God-given one, because it reflects Him. Next one. I often get angry, and that's okay. Is that true? Anyone think that's true? It's true for me. Anyone think that's false? A little bit of uncertainty here, isn't there? I think slightly more false than true. It kind of seems contradictory to what I've just said. But it's false, I think. James says, like God, we should, become, we should be slow to become angry. Yes, there's a time when it's okay. But actually, it should not be our first response. Paul, in the great chapter on love in 1 Corinthians, says, Love is not easily angered. There ought to be something about the quality of our lives and our love and our hearts that caused us to be able to put the brakes on anger. Anger should be the exception, not the norm. We need to learn to differentiate between issues, some of which are worth getting angry and some we can let go. The guy who pulls across you into the, into the traffic and cuts you off might not be quite as bad as the person who embezzles you. I've had both of those experiences and sometimes I find myself getting more angry at the first than the second. But that's not good. We need to be able to distinguish the Spirit's gentleness, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness and patience is meant to help anger to subside within us. And in those moments it's all important to reflect upon the why. Why am I getting so angry? What is triggering that? But there's more to it often than just the presenting issue. How about this one? Next one, Laurie. The more godly I become, the less often I'll become angry. Who thinks that's true? More godly, less angry. Anyone think that's false? Sold to the man at the back. I think it can be both. I think there's a certain aspect to which that is true and an aspect to which it is false. Patience is meant to help us. But spiritual maturity doesn't shield us from the reality of pain and therefore anger. Back to God's example again. God got angry. He's fairly spiritually mature. That was a little joke. I know it's a serious subject. But maturity is meant to bring us, in a way, the ability and freedom to deal with our anger well. Another one. Redheads have a genetic predisposition towards anger. <laughs> Who thinks that one's true? Anyone married to a redhead? <laughs> Who thinks that's false? Thank you. We don't want to go there. There is no such thing as a biological inclination. 
but it is learned behavior. And where, when we're around angry people and grow up with a lot of anger, we can easily reflect that and become that ourselves. One more. And then the, the stress for you is over a little bit. What's the last one? When I'm angry, it's okay to just spew on anyone. Who thinks that one's true? Who's done that? Oh, yes. And the truth shall set you free. Who thinks that one's false? Good. Good. It's not okay. We're not meant to just unleash on the closest person to us. And sadly, very often, the closest are the ones who mean the most to us. And that is our reality. So we have a lousy day at work. Things don't go well. We're driving home. We get stopped. We're given a speeding ticket. We come in. The kids are playing up. And guess what? We overreact. Out of the stress of our day, and the slightest little thing can trigger it for us. Or we speak harshly to our spouse, or, or we just plump down in front of the TV and shut down. It's not okay to spew on anyone. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. So that's the commandment, but I want to say to you, he says, anyone because anyone who murders will be subject to judgment, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Wow, there's something pretty significant. This comes early in the Sermon on the Mount. It is hugely destructive anger when unleashed inappropriately. So, it's incumbent upon us to learn how to deal with it because it's a reality. And so I've got some suggestions, recommendations scriptural truth I hope so first thing is realize where your anger come from, comes from it comes from your hurt we get angry because we are hurt talked about this last week in fact so when you come across an angry person realize actually that's also a hurting person more often than not in Proverbs chapter 15 we read a gentle answer turns away wrath a gentle answer turns away wrath. So here again, there's some of the gentleness of the Holy Spirit. What would be a gentle answer? What does that look like when somebody's angry? What does it mean to be comforting and not reacting to someone's anger? Because remember, the underlying pain requires... What does the underlying pain require? Love as expressed as what? Empathy. Empathy. Compassion, comfort. So, when our dearest one comes in and says things like, I'm just absolutely sick and tired of this. If things don't change around here, there's going to be trouble. How might we respond? Maybe a harsh word. Oh, grow up. You're acting like a child. Sort yourself out. Perhaps. A gentle answer. I can see you're upset. Do you want to talk about it? I'd love to listen. I do care. And I don't want you to be frustrated. So what's happening? And it has a calming influence upon us rather than stoking the fires. Now this doesn't mean that we're to be a doormat and allow people to walk all over us and abuse us. It's super important that we confront those things when we're in situations like that. But the general principle is still true. Gentleness turns away wrath. 
because angry people are hurting people. Secondly, let's try to understand what happened and why. Remember, under the surface, beneath the surface, there's some pain, some circumstances have triggered something. We may be angry in ourselves, but we may be reacting or responding to something we don't fully understand or have all the details about. In fact, we can misunderstand and misinterpret and be pretty angry about it. You know, you arrange to meet a friend and they don't turn up. And you're inconvenienced. How do you react? It's easy to get angry and frustrated. I changed my schedule to do this. I've given time up. It meant I couldn't go and do what I really wanted to do or whatever. And we don't realize that, well, maybe there's been an emergency. Maybe something's cropped up. Maybe you gave them the directions to the wrong place. Who knows? The question is, do we take the trouble to find out? They write the Proverbs. Proverbs, great wisdom literature, by the way. If you've not read that, 31 chapters. A chapter a day. Keeps the devil away. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Pretty profound is that, I think. There's two sides to every story, so get the facts, understand. (coughs) And sometimes getting to hear the why helps us react better and with greater compassion to the pain and anger that we're experiencing. You know, it's really important that we can learn to recognize that we're different. Sometimes people's differences frustrate us. Have you ever been in a situation like that? I can't be right, because I'm right. They must be wrong. What if you're both right? Or what if you're both wrong? Do you have space for that? As a community, do we have space for differences in our relationships and still love and care to one another? Our culture does not. In fact, it's increasingly polarized. So there's tremendous venom and anger expressed without care on social media. That is in a healthy place. Don't get caught up into that. Learn to live with difference and understanding. <coughs> Quite, I may have shared this once. Coming to understand more about my parents' story, and especially my dad's story, has helped me tremendously to feel a great amount of compassion and comfort and, and express comfort towards him. And recently, drive, last time we were there, driving along with him, and I asked him the question, is there anything you regret? And he says, eventually, after a, long, <laughs> a lot of thinking, he says, I, I could have had a better start in life. And he didn't have a very good start. As a kid, I had no idea about that, even as a young adult. But understanding that gave me great compassion for my dad. Next one. Express your anger properly to the person involved as well as another. Now, I've got to be careful about this, but it's really important that we can be honest and direct with one another when we're upset, both because we're hurt and because we're angry or frustrated. I occasionally get messages from people who are angry and upset, but they're talking to me about it and not to the person they need to be talking to about it. Takes courage, does that. But it's love. And it helps you understand more and care more for the person. And that's the goal. We're to love our enemies. 
Never mind our friends who upset us. Speaking to the person gives you more understanding. It also gives them an opportunity to perhaps account for what they said or did. That's why Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between the two of you and him alone. That's our starting point. You see, if we're quiet or we're talking elsewhere, it may cause that person to think what they did was okay. They got away with it, perhaps. I can do it again. And they remain stuck or don't grow. And part of our role, part of loving one another means we're to help one another grow into Christ-likeness. You can't do that without accountability and feedback. And you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be on the journey. And yet we believe the lie that any imperfection somehow disqualifies us, sadly. We'll talk more about that one when we get to the top level of shame. But in the conversation, in the interaction, it gives us also a greater sensitivity to the other person and their story and what is happening in their lives. Sometimes we get angry even though somebody's, nobody's done anything wrong. Sort of one of my uh, struggles at times was uh, developing a sustaining kind of closeness to my children. And often as a, you know, Carol's not all of her life, but stayed home by and large when our children are young. And so naturally is the mum who's there and present. And sometimes I found myself feeling a bit jealous about that because she had a closeness that I, I yearned for but wasn't quite sure how to develop. And later it would manifest itself. We're driving along. Uh, we're on a road trip and she's texting with one of our kids and there would be this kind of frustration come up in me because I'm thinking I'm always the one driving I'm not supposed to text when you drive in fact I try you'll tell me off so can't go there but you're the one who's communicating I'm feeling left out but it would come out in some words of frustration rather than vulnerability about my longing for a closer connection with my children and feeling that often I'm disadvantaged now, I'm not totally disadvantaged. This is one of those little things that I've got a hold of. And actually, as I shared that with her once, um, not only does she now ask permission, because there are times when she needs to, but it gave us an opportunity to talk about that and for her to encourage me in other ways to find, to connect with my children. But that took a little bit of courage. But it brought us closer when we confronted that and talked about it. Iron sharpens iron. You see, this is why you need someone in your life who's a close confidant. I would say in addition to your better half, other half, spouse, whomever, having a close friend is really vital in our well-being and our growth. Sharing with a third party when it's done well can be, they can just be more objective about things. You're too much caught up in the issue to see things sometimes and you need objective reflection. They might actually help you get better understanding. But they can also remove your sense of aloneness and your pain and care about how you're feeling. Beware triangulation, gossip, slander. Don't turn that opportunity to talk to a third party as a way out of dealing directly with the person who's offended you. This destroys and undermines security, trust, relationship. It's the very antithesis of what we are talking about. 
And if we want somebody else to take our offense so that we feel better, it's all twisted and messed up. And it becomes a cancerous, not just now in my life, but in this person's life, and in an expanding circle of relationships and community. Be careful of spreading things too far too quickly. Never do it with a large group of people because there's no way of processing or dealing with that. There's no healthy accountability. Don't share indiscriminately. Have trusted friends. And not everyone is a trusted friend. Jesus said he would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. We've got to be wise and careful about this. Now, so we've got to share our anger, but an inappropriate way, two ways, and you probably will have a tendency to one or the other, and that's the stuffers and the spewers. Anyone a stuffer? Bit of a stuffer? I'm a big time stuffer. Grew up stuffing. Ignore it. Put it away. Distract yourself. Do something else. Go play squash. Go hit the dog. Whatever it is. Sorry for dog lovers out there. I'm a dog lover myself. Never do that. Never ever. Cats? Oh, sorry. And other cat lovers as well. How about spewers? Anyone a spewer? Sometimes we just grew up in a spewing world. And everyone's spewed and it's just normal to spew. And when, you, when a stuffer marries a spewer, it's fireworks. It's not good. Because <laughs> neither of them are fully appropriate. You know, in, in both those situations, it, it's hard to really own the fact that we're angry and upset. And sometimes we think it's a sin. Shouldn't be angry. I hope we've solved that one. It's not a sin. It's what we do with it that can become a sin. Sometimes we're afraid of the confrontation and the vulnerability for me to own that with you and be honest. But if this is a relationship, surely we've got to be able to do that. This is why we've got to learn to trust one another, to be comfortable with difference and believe that people will be empathic and care about what we're going through, even if they feel differently. Sometimes, like I said, we just had it modeled growing up. That's what we saw and that's what we reproduced. Most behavior is modeled behavior. And I would suggest that's why in the body of Christ we're meant to model something of a higher quality. By the grace of God. Through the indwelling Holy Spirit. The gentle one. Beware of passive-aggressive behavior. I'm going to get my way... That's important. I'm just kind of going to go around the houses with it. But believe you me, it's my way. Beware that. Because actually that's, that demonstrates a lack of courage to own the anger. And that's been a growth thing for me. Again, remember that old approval thing? What do you think about me? Do you affirm me? Do you see me as something good? And, and if I'm angry and upset, that can't be good, so I'll... I'll avoid it, but I've still got to get my way, so I'll find ways of doing that, and all of it is a mess. And it's a lack of courage. It's fear. More on that next week. Come back for more. The next thrilling adventure. So what do we do? How do we deal with this well? What's the model? The best way... It's first and foremost to share not your anger, but your pain. Thank you. <laughs> Leoba is a great encouragement to me. It's okay. It's okay. 
We would much rather feel strong and powerful to share our anger. It feels kind of weak and wimpish to talk about pain. Understand underneath your anger is pain. And uh, again, good old Proverbs again. 29 this. You wouldn't get to read this in February, just once every four years. But nevertheless, press on. Proverbs 29.11 Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. So this takes a measure of self-control. Where does that come from? The Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. When we say that, it means it comes from a place of loving union with the one who is truth, with God. It's not just something that descends upon you and passively you receive it and say, whoa, I've got a lot of self-control now. No, I've got to engage in the relationship with God and practice it with people. And self-control will be the fruit of that because I'll be walking with the Spirit and He will show me that. And He will give me the power to be that. Out of a sense of peace. I don't have to fight for things. I can be present. Remember we talked about that. So we're encouraged in our reading. Speak the truth in love. Be honest, but be loving with it. It's important we express why we're angry, why, what the pain is behind it. It's important not to embellish that or distort that to make it look better. It's important to be humbly willing to receive some truth we have not seen yet. And we're more able to do that when the person we're sharing with gives us comfort, is compassionate about our pain, even if there's still some light to shed on the situation. That's why we say, don't start with the rational, start with empathy, and that will open the door for more light and truth into the situation. And when we have an opportunity to share that with someone, let us do that lovingly and sensitively. This is not a license to kill. 007. You know, God is in the reconciliation. He's in the restoration business. He's in the business of redeeming relationships, not destroying them. And he's so willing to do that that he dies for our pla- in our place. So to show us how present he wants to be to us, even in the midst of our sin and willingness to hang him upon a cross. Therefore, don't let unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Paul writes, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You see, when we do that stuff, the spirit of truth and of love who's with us is grieved by that. We're not with him. We're lost in ourselves. And he's the spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. It couldn't be more clear, could it? And yet it is so hard. So if we are committed to a reconciliation, because God is in the ministry of reconciliation, we are about that. We are looking for ways to restore and bring together. That will always mean we care about people's hurt and look for ways of helping them release what's going on. And that's incumbent upon our loving the real God, remember that's where I started, and realizing God is a part of all that he's made. There's not another human being you can look at and be angry with and think, 
God has written that person off. Because the moment you do that, you've got to risk the reality that perhaps he's done the same for you. And that's a scary place. And that's the problem with our polarized culture that writes people off. And it's as far from the Spirit of God and the Kingdom of Heaven as you can get. And we are in the danger, in danger of the fires of hell because of it, Jesus said. Not his words, not mine. The second step, once we've expressed our pain and owned that, is to forgive. This is the only antidote to our anger. We must forgive. And to forgive means I'm angry and I want to do something with it. So I choose to release that against you. I hold nothing against you. The debt is forgiven. You are free to go. I will never bring that up or raise that again. And to demonstrate that, I will love you and give to you in ways beyond what you deserve. Anyone recognize that? It's the gospel. It's how God is with you. And that's what Paul is inviting us to replicate with one another, I would suggest. And when people comfort us for our pain, it gives us something to give away. Because in forgiving, we've got to give something away. We have to sacrifice something. The right to get our own back. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a matter of stewardship. It's a matter of using what you have been given. As Paul finishes, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Use what you have received. Because no one deserves to be forgiven. Me included. But it's part of God's grace. It's part of his nature and his character and his mercy to do just that. We reflected on the waster, the prodigal. If you struggle to forgive, maybe there's more to receive in terms of God's forgiveness in your own heart. And that's a principle that's true in any, any way of giving to others. If you're struggling to do that, you probably need to receive more. To be a better comforter, I've actually got to receive more comfort for my own pain and understand what that feels like and how, how much of a blessing and how loving that is. The same is true of forgiveness. It's really important we don't make our forgiveness conditional. Well, I'll forgive you if. Where do we get that from? That's control, manipulation, passive-aggressive. But it is appropriate to share how deeply you have been hurt. Totally appropriate. Vulnerably so. And if we're, again, we're struggling because of the sense of offense within us, there's probably more pain and hurt fueling and keeping that anger alive that needs to be addressed first. And it may be a journey of going deeper into some of the reality of your pain that's hindering your ability to release forgiveness. We're called to forgive even if the offender doesn't ask for it or care about what they did. This is a high calling, people. This is beyond you, but not God. It frees us first, not the other person. It's the freedom that Christ has forgiven you. Now walk in it, and you will be free. 
and most powerfully presents the opportunity for a reconciliation and restoration of a relationship that is divided. And all of this keeps bringing me back to the reality of Jesus upon the cross where he utters the words, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We are so blind at times to the pain we cause. And that doesn't stop God forgiving us. I just want you to take a little bit of time with the Holy Spirit right now. And I want you to um, to invite Him to to minister to you, to meet you if there are places of pain in your life right now that are hindering your ability to forgive. Or if there is a relationship in your life that you know isn't all it could be and you have an opportunity to sow seeds of love and reconciliation. And you may need some courage. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you in that. This is the foundational work He is here for. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Spirit of truth. Spirit of love and reconciliation. Spirit of oneness and unity. Preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If there are things that come into mind that you need to confess and acknowledge before the Lord, do that without condemnation, knowing that He's a good Father. He delights to forgive, but He wants you to walk in newness of life too. The old ways are to be left behind. This is the new way of the Spirit. This is the new creation. This is a part of heaven upon earth. This is the, the heavenly Jerusalem coming down upon the earth. This is not just for you. It's for your family. It's for this church. It's for this valley. It's for this nation. It's for this world. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Redeem us and free us and give us courage to be, um, in a way, redeemers ourselves. Ambassadors of reconciliation. Lord, minister to the pain in this body. Show your comfort and your care, I pray. And empower us to be those who forgive generously, supernaturally the fruit of our union with you and the life that you give to us. Lord, for any here struggling with unforgiveness in their own lives, struggling to believe that you truly forgive them, come and show them, Lord. Minister the, your grace of mercy, abundant mercy, triumphing over judgment. This is your God. He loves you. And just as the prodigal's father didn't raise one single issue but expressed delight that he had turned and come, that was all that mattered. This is all that matters to the father with you. And if you've never opened your heart and your mind and your being to this love of the father through the son in the power of the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to do that. This is what you were made for. This is your destiny. This is your life. This is your healing. 
in the, in the name of Jesus, change us, Lord. Lay your hand upon us. <coughs> and receive from Him. Receive from Him. Receive from Him. Tell that someone's getting a direct call right now. Hotline to God. But we all have that. He's as close as your heart. Thanks be to God. We have our worship band back up.